Welcome to Locked on Flames. I'm your host, Kristen Anderson, and thank you so much for joining me on this Wednesday. Now let's get right to it. The sky is falling, right? <laughs> well, no, not really. It's only a day since Calgary lost 2-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes, and while it feels like the sky is falling and this team is brutal and they're not a Stanley Cup contender, the sun did come up today although the days are getting shorter and shorter, but whatever. Let's just try to sum things up. It was the second straight game that Calgary has let a one-goal lead slip after 40 minutes. Obviously, it was their second straight loss as well. But let's just look at this third-period trend that's emerging early into this season already. The Flames were 31-1-0 and when leading after 40 minutes last season, so they were able to close out games pretty easily last year. They've also been outshot 25-8 over the last two third periods this season. Let's not forget that near slip-up in the third period against the Florida Panthers as well when Josh Brown, Evgeny Dadanov, and Mark Pissick pulled ahead for the Panthers. And if it hadn't been for Sam Bennett tying it late, the Flames would have lost that game too. It was 4-2 as the Flames headed into the third period that night. And on Tuesday, they barely touched the puck in the third period and didn't get a shot on net until the 19-minute mark. It's pretty bad. It's actually really bad. So they need to pay attention to detail in the third period. We know that. But they're running out of excuses for it. They're just simply not good enough to rely on their talents alone in the third period to close things out. And especially when Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan aren't scoring, or anyone else really. Elias Lindholm, meanwhile, is on a four-game point streak and has three goals in four games. He's the only forward that seems to be able to put the puck in the net, and he did so on Tuesday night. He was the only Flames player that scored. On the season, he has eight goals and two assists in 14 games. Meanwhile, Andrei Svechnikov scored on the most ridiculous goal, a lacrosse-inspired snipe wraparound to tie the game, which, of course, you can't fault David Riddick on. Interestingly, he learned it from watching Michael Granlin score in the against Russia in 2011. I remember that video. You can go on YouTube and check it out. Um, pretty impressive puck handling. And then he scores the winner, the game winner, three minutes later. Okay, so David Riddick is in tough on both those goals. There was simply just no support for him. The Flames lost the puck twice. There was two blown opportunities to clear the zone on the first Svechnikov goal. And then the second goal came while Matthew Kachuk took, had taken an unnecessary penalty and was in the penalty box in the third period. The Flames specialty teams, uh, their power play isn't looking great. It's sitting 20th in the league at 17.8%. And then you look at their penalty kill, it's a little better. It's fourth best in the league at 86.6%. But might I point out that they are tied with San Jose for have taken the most penalties. That's 64 penalties already this year. And it's just October. <laughs> They're getting a lot of penalty kill practice. So that's probably why you're seeing their penalty kill being so successful. Anyway, after Tuesday's game, the Flames dropped to 6-6-2, while the Hurricanes improved to 8-3-1, and Calgary's road record is just getting worse. They have one regulation win away from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome in Anaheim, if you can believe it, and one once in overtime in Dallas at the beginning of the month. That's 2-5-1 away from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, and it doesn't get any easier as they'll face the 8-3-1 Nashville Predators on Thursday. Pecorini, meanwhile, called Tuesday's win over the Chicago Blackhawks total domination. <laughs> Yikes. So that's what they're walking into on Thursday. Wednesday's a day off for the Flames in Nashville before they close out the month of October. 
We've talked about the inconsistencies in Calgary's game pretty much all month, but Tuesday, I felt, was a real microcosm of their entire 2019-20 season so far. We'll catch up with them on Thursday in Nashville, and with the other side, I'll be talking to Robbie Stanley, who covers the Nashville Predators for NHL.com. After the Predators game on Thursday, the Flames play the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday and the Washington Capitals on Sunday to close out the five-game road trip, which is the longest of the season. I am so excited for my next guest. His name is Brent Gibbs, and he is the Director of Retail for the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation. He looks after retail operations for the Calgary Flames, the Calgary Hitmen, the Calgary Stampeders, the Calgary Roughnecks, and he is fresh off the Heritage Classic, just like me, from Regina's Mosaic Stadium. It was such a great event. They always put on a, NHL puts on a really good show for those those formats and I thought it was spectacular and uh, there was a few different setups you had a few different setups in terms of fanatic or I wouldn't call it f- maybe fanatic but um just merchandise tents in terms of where people could buy Calgary Flames merchandise amidst the green <laughs> yeah so we so we look after the retail mostly in like in Calgary there was a a special event uh, company that looks after all of those uh, special NHL events uh, but they have all they had all the event logo merchandise. They had flames merchandise and jets merchandise as well. So it was quite yeah. Everything was rep- we were well represented. Put it that way. Wait, is there any like, in terms of the trends in terms of the some of the popular merchandising? Like what what kind of came out of that in terms of things that you noticed? Uh, I know there's like the flat brim hats everybody's into, um, and then you know obviously that bright red Calgary Flames retro type look that was kind of popular. All the team. Um, personnel and staff were wearing that kind of stuff and then what's what are you noticing in terms of trends yeah i think the trend that we've noticed in the last few years we've had a starting to see a demand for the old kind of classic retro looks you mentioned snapback hats and the palm knit toques which were extremely popular the players were wearing it during warm-ups and david rick was wearing it uh during the game um that was a real real hit too but that kind of that kind of classic look is really really been popular with the fans we've been uh our fans are super passionate with our our uniform and our brand which is you know fantastic we love we love to hear back from our from our fans and and we've noticed that that classic look with our kind of retro jersey that we've been wearing for the last couple of years and then when we kind of decide on what uniform we want to wear for the heritage classic this year it was kind of natural for us to to go back to our uh, retro white uniform and thought it looked fantastic on the ice. In embracing that heritage sort of feel, has that been a couple of years coming? I know sometimes there's like a, a, with some NHL franchises, there's this push to do modern things, to do new different things. And, and that has its place, I'm sure, among a certain generation or even, you know, any generation really. But like, is there a balance you sort of have to strike as a guy that sort of oversees everything? Yeah, for sure. There's, there's passion it's funny when we kind of people fans know that we're working on you know any uniforms or any kind of logo changes or design changes um there's a lot of people that are really passionate with their opinions and and it's every way there's well we need to you know change with the black sea and go back to our classic look and then there was a lot of people that really kind of grew up with that 2004 Stanley cup run which was um 
you know, magical and very, very rep- well represented of our black sea and our uniform. So we want to just make sure that we're kind of um, keeping that balance, as you mentioned, just to try to, you know, keep our classic look and, and, and move a little bit forward as well. But um, right now, the, a lot of the trend is that, uh, that classic look of, you know, our white sea on our red jersey and our, you know, classic look on uh, with the classic striping pattern and pant, red pants and helmets and gloves. And so I think we're just getting a little bit of both. So it is a bit of a challenge to try to maintain that balance when we're looking at all of our merchandise that we're, that we offer. So we want to offer, you know, some modern looks with our new, with our current, um, you know, logos and coloring with the red and black and also kind of respect, um, you know, the past and with the red and yellow and, we can have a lot of fun with some of our designs that we've made, especially on, you know, things like headwear and T-shirts and kind of get creative. And we've had a really good response with it. Are you and that's and that's pretty much uh, league wide. Like, I, I feel like a lot of teams are doing that, like embracing the new, but also kind of bringing back. And it's always received well. Like, I mean, you look at Twitter, Twitter's not a judge of, of many things by, by any means, but <laughs> in terms of the popularity, but you talk to people and you see what people are wearing in the stands. And, and in most NHL buildings, it seems like that is the, that is kind of the, the trend is the, is the old is new again. Yeah. It seems like a lot of, a lot of teams that, uh, you know, they go through logo logo changes or design changes, and a lot of them kind of seem to, you know, go resort back a little bit to to the old uh, kind of classic looks that have been really popular, especially like in the, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, and we're even seeing some style, even some, some designs from the 90s, even in our apparel and, and headwear and old, like the old satin starter jackets are coming back into style and so it's just a lot of, a lot of that kind of what's old is new again, but put a little bit of a modern spin on it and kind of update it, and it's been it's been really popular. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of teams that kind of look at the older the older classic look, and it's been popular. A lot of a lot of other teams have definitely been looking at that and doing that. I was talking to Mark De Pasquale about the all the gear that they had got for the Heritage Classic. The Flames had got. He's the Flames tri- uh, equipment manager, and he was uh, telling me prior to the week about the hats, the old timey hats that he had made for the coaches. Any demand for for those? Have you seen? And then, of course, they were wearing the, those beautiful Letterman jackets. I thought the NHL does such a good job of that. But but is there any demand for that coach's look that they were sporting? <laughs> Well, we've actually had a lot of inquiries about the uh, the jackets that you know both the trainers and the coaches were wearing behind the bench, and and that's pretty important for us too. Like any with the Heritage Classic and with the regular season, um, you know, we work with uh, Fanatics, who is the official retailer for for of the Authentic Pro, the dressing rooms product, and and we make sure that you know when the players are wearing the the product. Uh, you know, on the ice or coaches wearing it on the ice or players wearing it in the locker room for interviews. We get a lot of exposure for that. And then we always get a lot of demand and say, hey, I want the, you know, the cap that the coach is wearing or, you know, or some of our top players, if they see, you know, Johnny Gaudreau or Sean Monaghan wearing the hat, we usually get requests right away as soon as they're wearing it. Hey, we'd like to get that same hat. And, and 
so like that exposure is pretty key for us for sure anything behind the bench is usually gets a lot of exposure and a lot of feedback from the fans is it pretty amazing sometimes how how fast like that word spreads just by a guy wearing a hat and being seen on sports center or oh it's, it's <laughs> unreal and and it's so funny i've been in you know the retail business for you know 25 years now and i i watch hockey differently because i'm always I'm watching, paying attention to the game, but every time there's a whistle, I'm looking at the fans to see what they're what they're wearing, to see they, <laughs> you know get the trends, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because I'm like I, I see everything a little bit a little bit differently. I'm always looking for hey, where did they get that that hat? Or if I'm watching you know another team play, you know two other two other NHL teams, or where did they get that? And and so and and I'm looking at that, but there's also fans that do that too. I get I'll get texts or requests from you know from fans too. It's like hey. You know, they see something cool on the ice. We should get that in, or do we have this or, or that? And it's uh, it's pretty fun business to be in for sure. When it can, we can be interactive with our fans, and you know, and have a little bit of say in you know what we want to do to help represent the brands of our favorite team. So it's a it's a cool job for sure. It's interesting too, like you know, the misconception that you break break out all this new merchandise at the start of the season, and then as if like you just sit back and watch it all fly off the shelves. Like you're probably constantly producing and having like throwing ideas on the dartboard, and probably is it is it is it a constant thing for you throughout uh, an nhl season brent yeah it absolutely is for sure we always are looking at uh, the trends or anything that we're looking at for kind of hot market but but it's for timing wise usually when we're booking products so we're already looking and seeing product for next year so because a lot of product if it's made overseas or they need time for production and usually it takes about six to eight months to to produce so we're already we've already started booking product for next season so we're trying to anticipate the trends for next year but also kind of keeping our our eye on you know what's coming up so we've like if there's any hot market request or if there's some you know a logo or a style really takes off to be able to work with our suppliers to to repeat and and you know have more in stock so we have enough to to meet the demands so it's it's always going for sure there's never a slow time anymore even in the summer we're always planning for you know, the rest of the, the upcoming season or even the, the spring springtime. So it's we're always trying to think ahead, but also kind of looking at um, at right now, too. So it's uh, it's pretty fun. But there's a yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes for sure. Is there a product that you can tell my listeners about that's kind of cool coming up or you can say no comment? I'm OK with that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't think of anything specifically. There's, you know, there's always kind of lots of ideas for, I know, some of our cool styles of, of hats, which is always kind of a fun fun to do because we offer, you know, 50 to 60 different styles of, of hats and there's so many different styles. We can cater to fans of all ages. We have, like, the flex fit, the, the you know, the loud and proud fan hats and then some of the, you know, little lower profile. They call them, like, the dad caps that are a little more... With logos that are smaller and subtle and and all different kinds so it's it's always kind of fun to work on that and we've got some real cool styles and we're also working again when we had really success a lot of success with uh jared joseph's project we did the he had the cgy uh product that he helped uh, we collaborated with him and he designed we were working on a new uh new program for that it's probably going to be coming in in december here so we're really excited about that it really took off 
was really popular. We probably sold, I think, 1,500 hats in in about uh, four or five months. So it was, and plus all of the different, you know, t-shirt designs and hoods. And so we've got some real cool stuff coming up for, for that, which we're really excited about. So stay tuned for that. And I would obviously be remiss if I didn't talk about those beautiful white jerseys. I have to give a shout out to my husband who is obsessed with them. Um, <laughs> and a lot of yes, people, yes, and a lot of people are though. I was talking, actually talking to Michael Stone in the dressing room before the Heritage Classic and uh, the, the practice before. And I said, how I asked him how, what he thought of it. And, you know, outside of the Kachina in Arizona, he yeah. said he said that it's an awesome setup, and he wishes it was their full time jersey. But um, I'm sure you get, I'm sure a lot of people wish that. But what, what what do you think about the 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 white jerseys? I think it looked like when I was lucky enough to be at the Harris Classic and to see them on the ice, it just it looked unreal. It just looked uh, it looked looked really good, really sharp on the ice with the whole the whole classic look with the you know the pants and the and the gloves and it, it just looked it looked outstanding so when we look at the process for you know developing jerseys we have it's basically an 18 month process for the end with the nhl so we have to any design changes or logo changes that we want to do we have to submit that 18 months in advance so we're already kind of looking you know moving ahead and so if there's if anyone likes you know that classic look of jerseys all i can kind of say is stay tuned you, you never know what could happen in the future Thank you so much for joining me, Brent. It was super interesting, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks very much. I appreciate you having me on. All right, that's it for me today, folks. Again, I'll tee up Thursday's game tomorrow, so be sure to listen as I talk to Robbie Stanley, who covers the Nashville Predators for NHL.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your support means so much to me. Please download, share, rate, and review this podcast to help me grow it. Also, you can send me an email at kanderson at postmedia.com or on social media on Twitter and Instagram at k.anderson. Or you can also follow me on my professional Facebook page at Kristen Anderson.